Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings Podcast, episode 59. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me every episode is my co-host, the bodacious Mitchell Davis. What's up? Hello. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. So this week on the podcast, we have three new albums to cover from Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. The first one, Hot August Night by Neil Diamond. Then uh, a track, Soul Makosa by Manu Dibango. And then finally, Bo Diddley, his album, Bo Diddley. So, um, yeah, let's start with Neil Diamond, his album Hot August Night, released in 1972 of a live concert that was recorded in Los Angeles uh, of the same year, 1972. And uh, Neil Diamond is someone that, uh, that uh, even though I can appreciate his talent, you know, and his songwriting and stuff, he's just someone I've never been a, a fan of, really. I don't know. He just... I don't know. I, he doesn't speak to me. He doesn't do it for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, and, and what, you're, how you're, do you feel about not, him? You're not alone. Uh, Neil is, I would say, you know, I wouldn't say an acquired taste, but, but Neil's not for everybody. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm just one of those people that, you know, and I mean like you too, I, I listened as a child to the radio a lot. I mean, before you know, there was like, you know, MTV and all that kind of stuff. You know, the radio was like my guide for, for music. And there was not a way really for me to get past Neil Diamond in a lot of in a lot of ways because he's one of those guys that's prolific in his songwriting and his performance in a way to where he, he doesn't really do one type of thing all the time. I mean he sometimes he, he seems to kind of have a romantic side you know, which is, is kind of like his bread and butter. But then sometimes he gets really profound and like spiritual, you know, um, like uh, like the song America, where it talks about, you know, how so many immigrants came from, you know, different places here to, to make a lives for themselves. I mean, you know, he he's kind of like one of those guys that, uh, you know, he does a lot. And I mean, he's got this voice that's just it, it can be really soulful it can be kind of rocking. Yeah. It can I mean, be really, yeah. you know, he's got like a great peaceful voice. sounding. Yeah. yeah. He, he does a lot to me. To me, I, I appreciate him a lot. You know I mean? Just the, the jazz singer. I mean, for people who've seen that movie, I mean, you know, he, he's not the best actor in the world, but he's kind of basically playing a role that was like made for him. Like when you see Prince in purple rain, you know, I mean, it was, it was something that you kind of figured this could have happened, you know, in his actual life, you know, if it doesn't like, you, I've, know. you know, I've never seen that movie, the jazz singer. Um, and I've never seen, is it connected? Is it based on the original jazz singer with, with Al Jolson? Or? Yeah, I, I would, I would say that it is. I mean, it was, it was one of those situations where he, he had a calling for music, but his, his family, you know, they tried to rally against that. And, and his father kind of, you know, did the disowning thing where he, he tears his clothes you know, it's like you're not my son anymore. You're into this music, and you know, it, it it was it was a good movie, but it was one of those movies where it kind of puts you know, like you know, the issues with a person's faith and family 
against their their dreams and desires for life. Like um um what you call it with uh, Nat King Cole, um St. Louis Blues. I think that's the name of that movie, where he he was it was almost the same thing with him where he he was a talented musician, but he you know, his 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 family and faith and you know they were kind of sort of conflicting with, you know, the the things that you find in, in fame and fortune and all that, the, the trappings of it and, and how, you know, so yeah. many people said it was not good. And I, I think that's because, I mean, now now this is me telling me, I have not seen the original jazz thing without Jolson, but I, I'm almost certain that, you know, it's it's probably the like the same storyline. I just have not whole... seen it either. I just know it was the first talkie, right? The first yeah. movie was sound. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a generation like past that, obviously, you know. But uh, oh, but, yeah, it's several know, generations. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm kind of trying to be kind, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, the but the thing again about Neil is that you know, and and in, in, in this performance, some of these performances, I mean, that carries over even more so in a live setting. Um, and I mean that that's another thing about this. I mean. Do you realize that this was like a series of concerts in Los Angeles, like 10 shows, all of them sold out 10, 10 nights of Neil Diamond. Can, 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 you, can you stand it? I couldn't I mean, stand one night. But. <laughs> and I mean, but that's just how popular the guy was. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he he's another another thing he kind of cuts across some generations. I would I would say most most younger people are kind of like, you know, Neil, who, um, but I mean, I mean, this the the last really big Neil Diamond hit that I can remember was the the song he did when E. T. came out. I remember. I don't oh know if you remember man, that song, that, that's, that's my song. oh my god, that's my earliest memory of Neil Diamond. Turn I was probably about oh, <laughs> shining wherever you go. I just man, um, I was about seven. I'd say when that song came out and even at seven years old, I didn't like it. I just felt like the schmaltz of it, even well, that young. That is such a good word too. I mean, obviously Tom Moon uses that in the book. Yeah. The, the schmaltz of it. I mean, it, 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 it it's, it's really corny. The, the video, oh God, if I find the video, I'm going to post it. The video. Oh, I don't remember is, the video. It is ultra corny. <laughs> <laughs> But but that's one thing he can get away with that because because he's Neil, you know. I mean, he like again, you know, all those sold out shows. He's still touring. He he's coming to Houston, I think, in July oh, or maybe wow. was he was he already here? And the guy still he still puts on a great show. He just comes out with an acoustic guitar. He comes out with this shirt, and you're like, where did you get that shirt from? I mean, he always wears these these bright, you know, red blue sequin shirts with these tassels on them I mean, right right you know really extravagant i mean and that's just it's his style i mean he won't change and i mean in a way i'm kind of glad i mean it's a part of of music that really people don't make music like he made it back in the day yeah. you know which for some people obviously that's you know fine with well them, i mean he, he is who he is and that's commendable you know he he just stays seems like he stays true to himself and what he wants to do you know yeah 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 but I, I i like neil i mean i i mean i can i can sit here and, and just run off songs you know that he's made over the years that that i like you know hello again hello i mean he's he's a he's a killer songwriter I yeah mean, he's made so many 
great songs still that get played on the radio today and are covered by like people around the world in like different languages where you're like you're in thailand you hear somebody singing that you know in in vietnamese you know you know it's just crazy he's that kind of iconic figure to me yeah so yeah 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 well no i mean he i don't think it's just to you i mean i think i think he is i think it's just like um you know you either like him or or not you know he he either speaks to you or he doesn't you know yeah and he and And, he's that kind of it's it's the, the, he, he's that polarizing. You're right. Where he, there's so many artists like that too. Like okay, going back to Barbra Streisand, I mentioned her earlier. Some people hate her guts. You know, they can't stand Barbra Streisand. And then some people will pay, you know, face value like three thousand, four thousand dollars for a ticket. Yeah. One ticket yeah, yeah, yeah. to see her. You know, I mean, she can she can go on tour right now and command that much money because she's she's Barbara. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so we're going to start with this tune, Cherry Cherry, from this album. And uh, it's sort of like a, I mean, to me, it's sort of like a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a really good song. It's a really upbeat song, Um, kind of a 60s kind of party song, sounds like to me. Uh, There's not a lot of, you know, it's not profound. There's not profound lyrics. There's not a lot of super interesting stuff musically going on it's just sort of a simple chord progression over and over you know but um it's it's infectious for sure i mean it's uh you know it's a sort of a feel-good infectious song yeah yeah what do you think i agree of it? this is the, the the more rocking side of of neil where he's 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 that guy the 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 freewheeling you know you know Neil Diamond in jeans and and you know hair long and guitar strumming and you know this is definitely his more rock and roll side I would say um, than you know different from his his easier side or the the more profound smalt side as we said and, and you're right I mean it's 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 nothing real complicated you know just just a you know kind of a a, a chanting chorus and a in a nice grooving guitar sound I mean. Nothing, nothing too complex here, and and that's that's another thing about him too. He can he can be simple. He can be a little more complicated. This is one where he's more simple and more grooving. The audience can sing along, and you know, um, that that voice is always that voice. You know, he he yeah. he has this awesome voice, Neil Diamond. I mean, you know, along with the guitar playing and the singing. I mean, he's not that great. I mean, he's a great guitar player, but I mean, it's it's more like the you know kind of feel good sound guitar you know where he's just kind of strumming you know but uh yeah yep, it's yep. yep this is like the you know it's like the campfire jamboree taken to 11 yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's hear this uh first track from neil diamond hot august night this is cherry cherry <laughs> Thank you. 
heard cherry cherry and we're going to move on to a, a more subdued kind of reverential track called holly holy um another thing i didn't mention uh or we we should mention is just the i don't know the, the kind of instrumentation that's on stage it's a huge group you know there's like a sort of rock band with multiple guitars and stuff there's a there's a horn section there's like a string orchestra right yeah. um providing you know these big orchestral uh string pads and swells and all this stuff at the right time and um it's a big production a big big production and i think uh that's what people expect when they go see neil diamond you know they they expect to see this big huge production you know? Yeah, and apparently that wasn't always the case. I think that was one of the things that, that was a big deal about this album at first is where it was a lot more ambitious than some things he had done live before, where it was much smaller than this, uh, where he would, you know, kind of, you know, it was it was live, but not as impressive as what you would hear coming from a record, you know, or a studio recording. And I think that's something that maybe bothered him a little bit, where he was like, you know. And I'm trying to do my Neil. You know, let let's try to do uh, you know, something that sounds more like the, the studio, you know, and <laughs> and then and bring it out to a live audience, you know, to where it is impressive and they don't lose that feel, and then maybe even add more to it, where the live, you know, the live presentation comes off even bigger than the studio, you know. Yes. And um, yeah. I think he finally was able to figure that out. And, and it's still, you know, kind of, you know, playing with that today where when they go out on tour, you know, it's, you know, you, you get wild, you know. And he's one of those guys, I mean, I, I would actually pay money to go see him, you know, because I think it would be a great experience, you know, no matter how good he was. Because, I mean, obviously he's a lot older now. He he apparently deals with like a chronic back issue um, from time to time where it's hard for him 
to perform. I, I think he's had to cancel some shows where his back maybe is is acting up, and you know, he just tries to do the best that he can. Uh, you know, but yeah, I I I agree. This is this is definitely kind of more, you know, you know, not not definitely not as rocking at that time sounding more serious and more profound you know almost like you know uh, a more spiritual side of, of of what i think of on on neil diamond's part and, and like i said he he can do both i mean red red wine i mean that's that's one of those songs i mean that's another that's been covered obviously by ub40 i mean you know nothing spiritual or that profound about that just you know just the title says it all you know it's 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 like soulful it's like it's like blues. It's like drowning my sorrows. But this is more like, you know, top of the mountain. You know, you know, you know, getting with, you know, the, the greater, you know, part of you that lies within and, and uh-huh. the, the spiritual thing, so to speak. You know, I I love that about him. I I love that when an artist can kind of do both sides of, of that coin. Van Morrison's another guy who. You know, Van Morrison can be, you know, kind of bluesy and soulful and free will, and then he can be, you know, more, you know, spiritual and profound, and and even, you know, you know, with his Irish stuff, especially, he can go way, way on that other side, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I love artists like that that can be true to themselves, and and he says that himself. He's he's you know I have a a nice voice, but I try to be just honest, you know, with who I am and. Sometimes that honesty comes off corny, but you know I, I have to be me. You know I can't be anybody else. I mean, right? You know it's right. it's just it's a, it would be a joke. It would be a, yeah. a an insult to my my audience. You yeah. know. Yeah. 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 And this one, Holly, holy, he gets really kind of spiritual and stuff. We get to see. I mean, you know, like you said, the dude's got a great voice. Um, I kind of like how this song unfolds on stage. You know, it starts simple. And it kind of gets bigger and bigger as it as it goes. So you know, by the time we get to the end, we've got uh, all the musicians engaged, and we've got the orchestra going, and you know, laying down these lush string sounds and these swells and all this kind of stuff. And you know, it's uh, uh, you know, it's a good song. It's sung really, really well live, and the way it's orchestrated and sort of unfolds, it just adds to its kind of emotional power i guess um yeah so yeah um let's check it out cool uh this is our last track from neil diamond hot august night this is holly holy holly holy Dream of only me Where I am What I am What I believe in Hallelujah Only 
and she comes and I run just like the wind will I hold it Sing song Sing a song of song Sing, sing it out Sing it strong Holly Holy from Neil Diamond, and we're going to move on to our second, uh, well, it's a track. It's not an album. It's a single track, uh, Soul Makosa by Manu Dibango, uh, a, a saxophonist and songwriter from Cameroon in Africa. And uh, in the early 70s, he came out with this this song, Soul Makosa, and it got sort of transported over here by uh, New York uh, DJ Frankie Crocker and a lot of people credit this song as being the first disco song ever um, it was also the chorus or this this sort of recurring thing that happens into it was also used by Michael Jackson in uh, Wanna Be Starting Something the Mama Say Mama Sa Mama Makusa that thing um, and that that was a big legal battle at the time you know yeah they said a lot of court trust me they you know (laughs) yeah yeah there was a a lot of stuff but you know behind closed doors and a lot of settling and and uh paying off and stuff like that uh but uh this was kind of a a phenomenon i guess when it when it came out and uh I don't know what 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 are your thoughts on this? Soul well, well, going back to to what you said about the initial break, Frankie Crocker was one of those guys um, who was very very influential in how songs came about, you know, on the radio back in the day, where you know guys that needed a break um, and couldn't get airplay through you know regular methods. Frankie Crocker was was you know one of those guys in New York who was always looking for somebody to break, and um, you know before he passed away, <clears throat> he was just one of those guys that was tied to so many different historical discoveries. I mean, this was just one. Um, you know, he he broke so many different other soul and hip hop artists and 
and, and disco, you know, songs in, in the early, you know, early eighties, late seventies. I mean, he was he was huge, you know. And um you know, he was just one of those guys that would take chances on on songs that other people would just like ignore. I mean, this is a song from an artist, you know, in from Africa that, you know, had proven himself there and was, you know, you know, talented at, at playing sax and, and putting the groove together. And and he was like, Man, we, we gotta put this on the radio. I mean, what look what happens, you know, when I play this in the club. I mean, you know, people go go crazy, you yeah. know. And it wasn't like a real complicated song. It was it was kind of a real simple, repetitive beat even. But I mean, when you were in a club and you were dancing on the floor, even today, they can slam this ra- this record on and people People know this song, but they may not even know the history of it or who's singing it because that that groove is so eternal. You know, I mean, you know, obviously Michael Jackson dug it, you know, enough to to put it in a song, you know, and chant it even throughout the the end of the second half of, you know, want to be starting something. They they dropped the beat on that song where you all you hear is that chant. You know, that's how much Michael loved it, you know, and obviously probably Quincy Jones, too. And I mean, they he you know, doesn't that, get that a, was my question. Was it was it Quincy or was it Michael? <laughs> well, I, I think it was probably both because, yeah, I mean, yeah. they were both really close. And I, I would say Michael maybe first, you know, but they were both kind of, you know, they, they I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they were both familiar. And I, I would say Michael probably brought it in with, you know, let's try this, you know, and um, that's that's one thing about Michael Jackson. I, I still appreciate so much about. You know, people talk about his talent as far as being, you know, a dancer and, and all this. But I think his ability to arrange and take vocal stuff like the chant in this song and and work it into, you know, something that that, you know, could only be, you know, kind of related to him because nobody else would try to do this. I, I mean, not the way he did it and then have it work as well as it did, because a lot of people, they hear this song and they think, oh, that's Michael Jackson. I'm like, no. Michael Jackson got this song from right. someone else, right. you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I know that that it was just one of those deals where they probably thought, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And obviously, what what happened with Thriller was huge. So you know, with no songwriting credit, I mean, they they have to do something. I'm pretty sure when they settled, I mean, he you know, he was probably you know more than <laughs> more than happy. He, because I mean, yeah, yeah I'm th- sure that was that was a tremendous hit for him. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, this song it still gets played today on radio. You know, where it's just like a staple in, in dance clubs, and you know, the the guy obviously had some other songs, but this was this was the hit for him. You know, it yeah, it, yeah. it, it was just just very 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 infectious and, and just one of those songs that, I mean it it can't it can't stand by itself like a few other songs that we have in this book where we we focus on just that particular song you know um yep so yeah man well I think you said it let's uh let's check it out cool this is Soul Makosa by Manu Dibango Mamma, come, mamma, 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 m
by Manu Dibango and we're going to move on to our last album for this week Bo Diddley his self-titled uh, debut album Bo Diddley um, released in 58 yeah 58 wow I know man a long time ago and we just talked about this last time um, that he actually died in 2008 but a couple weeks ago um, or shortly after B.B. King passed there started to show up all these posts all over Facebook that Bo Diddley just died too. Yeah. But he had already been dead for like five years. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go on, go on. Let's stick on that for just a second before se- we talk seven about this years, album. Yeah. I, I think that that's like a, it's like a recurring thing because Rue McClanahan, who some people know from the Golden Girls, she apparently just died this week, which you know, she died several years ago, and I'm like, okay, somebody's doing this on purpose, you know, because the internet, it's, you know, it's and, clickbait. I mean, that's yeah, all it is. It's just exactly, yeah. you know, it's because it, what I really don't like is when you you go online and and somebody's talking about an individual that's died and they're not dead. I really hate that. That's that's so annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's 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 le- even when somebody they're they're not sick, they're not even. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. And all of a sudden, this such and such is dead. I'm like, you know, that's not funny. <laughs> Don't do that. You know. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. But well, what, what's what's always more disconcerting is the uh, number of people that will believe whatever's put in front of them on Facebook. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just immediate yeah. reaction, like knee jerk reaction. Because yeah. I, yeah. You know, my. Okay, like my first thing is I, you know, okay, let me go to the usual reliable sources, you know, you know, The Guardian, you know, NPR, whatever. Let's see if they say anything. If you don't see anything for like several hours, then right, you, right. you kind of figure something's not right, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, but, so um, yeah, but back to Bo Diddley. Um, he uh, sort of he was not born in Chicago, but... Um, kind of kind of grew up there on the south side of Chicago heard yeah. a lot of uh, the blues guitarists at the time um, John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters and etc um, and uh, 
that inspired him to p- pick up the guitar. Previously, he had, uh, I think he was playing like violin wow. and, uh, <laughs> in like a school orchestra and stuff. And um, after he heard them, he picked up the guitar, uh, started writing songs and uh, came out with this, you know, this breakout hit, you know, Bo Diddley. And it actually came out in 55. The The single came out in 55. Didn't come out on a full-length album until 58. But the single, the little 45, um, came out in 55 and became a, bit, a huge hit for him. Yeah. And it featured what's now referred to as the Bo Diddley beat. Yeah. Um, this dun 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 that thing yep. which has yep. been used by a ton of different artists um yep. rolling stones let's let's start with them <laughs> well it, i mean the list is just huge buddy now, holly it's it's important to to note that yes a lot of these artists probably heard this beat from this song bo diddley but bo diddley yep. did not invent this beat this is a beat that it had been going on a long time in African music and music in South America in sort of a a typical clave rhythm. The clave is like those two hardwood um, sticks that you hit together. Uh, So, but in the, in the kind of industry within rock and roll, it was known as the Bo Diddley beat. Yeah. And that's what you just said. I mean, the, the way he incorporated that beat into what he was doing, especially what what we would now know as rock and roll. Yes. I would say, yeah, he's he's the originator. I mean, you like you said, that actual beat, no, no. I mean, that's that wasn't new, but the way he did it, you know, it was especially with that chink chink guitar, that drunk drunk drunk, that nobody had really done that like him, you know, in, in music here yes. in, in America. Yeah. So yeah. and I think that's that's one of the things that, you know, sadly enough will go on, you know, with his his legacy and death where he he's credited for that but like the book says if he got a dollar at least a dollar for every time somebody used that beat oh yeah. he would have been like you know a multi-millionaire by right. the time he passed on right. you know so many people you know use that beat bruce springsteen elvis you know Almost everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, know? and it's also amazing how it crossed genres. So it wasn't just rock musicians. It was R&B musicians, blues musicians, uh, later hip hop musicians uh, used it. It, you know, it crossed into all kinds of popular yeah. genres. Um, so, yes, it was uh, highly influential, to say the least. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I thought a couple of interesting things about his life um, in the 1970s. He lived in Los Lunas, New Mexico, where he was a deputy sheriff. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, he moved to Florida and he like lived in this huge log cabin that he helped build. Wow. But okay. (laughs) That's that's interesting. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Bo Diddley himself before we get into the music that you want to say? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just the the guy, you know. He played that he, that guitar, that iconic yeah, the, guitar, like the rectangle style guitar. Yeah, the yeah, rectangle he, guitar that he is so associated with him. Yeah. That that plus he he kind of the the one thing that that I think about when I think about Bo Diddley is 
you know, we were we were talking about Neil Diamond, the singwriter. But Bo, Bo Diddley was he was a pretty decent sing, songwriter. I, I said singwriter, songwriter. He was a pretty de- decent songwriter himself, and I mean, it was it was in a simple in a simple way where a lot of his songs were sort of like like nursery rhymes, like it was like bluesology, like observation on life. Uh, sometimes even like you know, um, songs where they would be like you know, you know, two people hurling insults at each other, you know, where it's just like there's so much humor in it. But it was it was clever in a sense to where. You know where did he get this from? <laughs> you know, I, I think that's something, an observation that I, I, I definitely want. I didn't want to go past that where he, he, he had this way of looking at life, and and writing it into a song. Like he has a song called Sixteen Tons." That he does, you know, sixteen tons. What do you get? You know, another day older and deeper in debt. You know, while people basically are in a rat race where they, they work themselves into the ground, and you know, they don't have anything to show for it. Then stuff for you know a beaten up body and, and, you know, a, a bank account that's just like, you know, there's nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he almost was like the antithesis of that where he, the guy worked tirelessly. I mean, he toured and toured and toured and influenced all these people. But in the end, I mean, you know, I mean, was he broke? Eh, probably not, but he probably didn't have as much money as what, you know, he truly, you know, deserved to, to uh, earn. You right. Know? Is yeah, exactly is what he should have had. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, that's like I said, it's sad, but I mean the, the people in rock and roll who know Bo Diddley and give him respect, they, they still did even whether in life or in death. I mean, George Thurgood, uh, he, he has this video that he did for the song called bad, the bone where they, they like play pool against each other, you know? And, um, you know, Bo Diddley comes in with the guitar and everything, you know, like he's, you know, okay, here's this, this young kid. I mean, and I, I love that video because he, you know, he didn't have to put him in that video, but it was like George Thurgood's way of saying, you know, this guy is like, if y'all don't know who this is, you know, this guy is like, he's, if there was a Mount Rushmore for rock and roll, his face has got to be up there for sure. I mean, maybe right, him right. and Little Richard and I mean, there, there was really no rock and roll the way it is now before this guy, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's the thing, you know, it's just, you know, well, influence, influence and style, you know, aside, I mean, he, he helped create something, you know, that was, it was kind of there, but not really, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, it's good that he put Bo Diddley in that video because that song bad to the bone is, a, is just, I'm a man is Bo Diddley's I'm a man with just the words changed. Yeah. Yeah. Just na 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 na. Yeah. I mean it's just it's the exact same thing. It's just, it just has yeah. different words. Yeah. Exactly. Um so uh the first song we're going to listen to is Bo Diddley. And so we're going to get to hear this Bo Diddley beat that we've been talking about. Dunt, 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 that thing. Um and uh yeah, maybe we should just have the song speak for itself. The song yeah. that yeah, that influenced so many people. Uh let's check it out. This is Bo Diddley by Bo Diddley. Don't listen to my baby diamond ring If that diamond ring don't shine He gonna take it to a private eye If that private eye can't see Keep it not take the ring from me 
Billy called her nanny goat To make a pretty baby of Sunday coat Oh, Dilly called her bell cat To make a pretty baby of Sunday hat And we just heard Bo Diddley, and we're going to move on to I'm a Man. And uh, this song, I guess, uh, was inspired by Muddy Waters, a Muddy Waters song called Hoochie Coochie Man uh, mm-hmm. that was written by uh, Willie Dixon. And uh, he, you know, Bo Diddley played with all these people in Chicago. He, he played with Muddy Waters. He played with Willie Dixon. Um, and... Uh, it, this it sounds just like a uh i don't know just a completely stripped down uh southern blues i don't know you're you're right you're, that's keep going <laughs> <laughs> you, you you basically said it right it, i mean it, it, so, it sounds to me like you know you walk into a i don't know like a shack type bar you know down in in uh, Mississippi or something and down by the crossroads or something and you have everybody in there hot and sweaty and smoke filled and just this going on it just seems raw and gritty to yep me. and this this song is to me is, is swagger you know it's it's like a oh totally. somebody yeah. somebody professing you know you know just straight up you, you know without without any question you know I'm, I'm a man you know way past 21 i mean you know and obviously this this version is you know it's a great version and, and but but muddy waters i mean the version he does with the foot stomp you know it it professes that too and i mean is that you know, the that, version where like he has all the guys in the background yeah like he said yeah. every time he says i'm a man they're like yeah they go, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the muddy waters version yeah yeah I mean, that's that's a great version yeah yeah i mean and that's you know again his influence and it that's the funny thing about him too is it's not just rock and roll but he influenced blues and 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 soul artists as well i mean he was just one of those guys that you know he wasn't just one thing you know i mean you you could you could kind of say he was rock and roll and he was kind of blues and kind of soul but he really wasn't any of that total i mean he was just like a mix of things you know um and i mean even even in the cadence of where he kind of talks and sings you could even say he had an influence on hip hop music too. I mean, like I said, the the limerick style, you know, bluesology type singing, you know, the the observation type singing. I mean, that's it's almost like rapping. You know, I, I would say, you know, Bo Diddley would be an influence on that too. I mean, you know, if if you look close, I mean, I it, very very clever, you know, but simple lyrics at times, you know, that that kind of you know remind me, especially of, of old school hip hop style you know, rapping. So, um, you know, pro prolific indeed, Mr. Bo Diddley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just one of those guys, like I said, just a lot of people tried to pay homage to, to him through the years. Uh, anybody's ever seen the blues brothers, um, 
um, not the Blues Brothers. I'm sorry. Trading places <laughs> where where Dan Aykroyd gets out of out oh, of prison, he's out the of pawn jail. Shop guy. Yeah, I yeah, forgot Bo that. Diddley is is in the pawn shop where he yeah. tries to sell his Rolex, and you know that again, it's just little stuff like that where you would see him pop up here and there, where it's just somebody saying, you know, I didn't have to put this guy in my movie, but I love this guy, so he's in my movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, John yeah. Landis. You know, and um, you know he. He's one of those characters that that's like that in music and in you know popular culture that just is is just here and there you know where you see him and you're like hey look it's Bo Diddley you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah but, cool uh, let's check it out all right this last track from Bo Diddley this is I'm a man. Now when I was a little boy. Age of five, I had some in my pocket. Keep a lot of folks alive. Now I'm a man, made 21. You know, baby, we can have a lot of fun. I'm a man. I spell M. And we just heard I'm a man from Bo Diddley, and that's going to do it for 1000 Recordings Podcast, episode number 59. If you'd like to send us an email, send one to 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can join us on Twitter at 1000RP. You can go to our website at 1000RP.blogspot.com, and you can join us on Facebook. You can also become a sponsor of the show by going to patreon.com slash 1000RP. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 1000RP. You can help us uh, sponsor the show and help us pay for music and stuff like that. And we would be greatly appreciative. You can go to that page and see kind of the perks and stuff you can get for being a sponsor. Um, You can also head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. And we will read that on the air and that will help us uh, reach more listeners on iTunes. So... Next time, we're going to cover Digital Underground, their album Sex Packets. Yeah, we were just talking about, you know, humor and rap music, and here we go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have another single track, The Wanderer by Dion. Yeah. And then we have uh, Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks. Oh, that's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, that's what we've got coming up next time. Cool. Cool. So, any parting thoughts? Uh, no. Um, glad to do another show. Uh, glad to reach out and talk to everybody. It looks like we have some really good stuff coming. 
in the next few weeks. We get to talk next week. I think I'm on vacation next week. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll go to Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All <see>. right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I hope you get to go to Disneyland. And uh, uh, really, I've never been. I would be fun. <laughs> it would be fun. Um, I've been to Disneyland. I've never been to Disney World, but I've been to Disneyland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, until next time, uh, we will explore more music in Tom Moon's book later. All right. Bye bye. Shine it wherever you go.